Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guests today are Catherine Powers and Jake Brown. Jake co-wrote the memoir of The Spree of 83, The Life and Times of Freddie Powers. And Catherine Powers is the widow of the late country music star, Freddie Powers, the subject of the memoir. Catherine and Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, if someone listening isn't familiar with Freddie Powers, can you describe his impact on country music and his success as a musician? Sure. I'm going to let Jake, Jake, you take it because you're always so good at this answer. Um, well, it's that that question is a probably like five or six part answer. So I'll try sure. to condense it because Freddie's influence uh, was so widespread and rich in depth. Um, so. You don't have the video on, so I'm just going to read you some of this. A freewheeling, often pointing oral history of one of country, uh, one of the unsung heroes of country music, Rolling Stone yeah. magazine. Freddie's demonstrated a dedication to broadening the parameters of country and Western, particularly in creating fusion in the country honky-tonk and swing jazz. This interest runs throughout his career, country music television. Power's name stands among some of the country music's most enduring classics, the Austin Chronicle. It goes down the list here. Uh, basically... Those are critical accolades. Um, and on the back of the book, The Spree of 83, The Life and Times of Freddie Powers, there's a long list of people that continue to sing his praises. Um, and they all come from different walks of life that Freddie and their paths crossed in, that it, and that a life-changing difference was made, career-changing difference, et cetera. If you go back to the, the, the fact that American Songwriter Magazine, who I like to plug because I'm a big fan, and they are the premier country music's kind of a little more esteemed area of review and assessment of careers wrote a beautiful, beautiful cover story for us in which they properly acknowledge as we have been pushing for years. Freddie should be and is credited now with really being the first artist to usher Dixieland jazz into country music's mainstream. And why that is significant in and of itself is if you listen to turnarounds and certain rural songs or any other of the little reverberations of that style, as it worked its way into the artists that he collaborated with, um, Big and Rich talk about it in the, in the book quite profoundly there's the freddie powers chords he's known from from texas along the same lines that came out of that style that he brought in um and then on top of that if you look at him as a songwriter you know you're talking about natural high and let's get lucky let's chase each other around the room tonight and always get lucky with you and little hotel room and all of these amazing songs that were recorded and made hits by merle haggard and george jones and ray charles and uh beyond and then you go into the arena of who he was behind the scenes which is equally as important um he, you know, I, I like to joke, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard could hang out with anybody. They could have picked anybody to spend hours and hours at a time every day for years with. And and in Merle and Freddie's case, especially, these guys were like brothers like that. Um, Freddie made an impression that became instantly permanent, I think, on everyone he met, whether it was personally, musically. And I'm included myself in that. Um, I've been doing this 20 years this year, actually. And um of a lot of the famed this, that, rock bands, rap stars, you could name it. Freddie's by far one of the top, along with Joe Satriani and, and Anna Nancy Wilson, probably just a high career highlight for me and one of the most pleasurable people and Catherine to work with because he's just such a charmer. And everyone loved him like that. He was infectious. And 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 to add one other thing, um, you know, Freddie as a visionary um really, really had some unique things in his catalog that others don't have. He had a television show called Rogers and Hammerhead that I believe was one of the first cable television shows that was hosted by songwriters focusing on songwriters. 
He had a Parkinson's cruise once his Parkinson's uh, uh, adventure began. This guy was fearless. He stayed in the spotlight his whole life uh, because people wanted him there. And so what is the spree of 83 reference in the title of the memoir? Catherine, you want to take that one? Yeah. Um, when Freddie and Merle got together and started working together, that was actually in 1979. And um, when Freddie moved up on the houseboats with, um, next to Merle. And um, that time period went all the way through to even the 2000s. But that spree of 83 living on those houseboats had a span of 79 to about 89. And it was their party time and their songwriting time. And they just, and Merle always called it the spree of 83. And so that's how that title came about. And we stuck with it. Yeah. It, it, also importantly, the reason that he called it the spree of 83 is that during this wildly prolific songwriting period that began, you know, Freddie was 50 and Merle a little older, but not much when they met, I think 51. These guys were basically. No, uh, Freddie was old. Freddie was older. Okay. But they were within range of yeah. each other in age and yeah. they were both newly divorced. Merle was a, you know, worth tens of millions of dollars. And he basically, um, within Freddie, he found a new generation of songwriting partner. And that is hugely important to note because Freddie had a, had an impact on the kind of songs Merle chose. Again, these guys can hang out with anyone. They can write songs with anyone. It speaks to Freddie's importance in country music that he was picked by Merle to become not just his right-hand man, but his best friend. They lived next to one another on houseboats on Lake Shasta. They would party all night and write all night and and had all kinds of, I mean, these guys rivaled any rock star I've ever written a book with in terms of the, the fun they had. But at the same time, they were writing number one song after number one song. So the spree of 83 became kind of a catchphrase for this output of songs they were banging out whilst having as much fun as they were having. And And how did he originally meet Merle and begin uh, Catherine collaborating. Can, Catherine can tell you that one. Well, actually, Freddie and Merle met the first time was back in 1961. And um, they were both playing in Las Vegas. Uh, Freddie was playing at the um, showboat and Merle was playing at Harris, I believe. And um, Merle came over to watch one of Freddie's shows. And from that moment on, they just became friends for the next 13 days they would take turns going back and forth seeing each other's shows and hanging out together and then at the end of that 13 days it was like Merle went his way and Freddie went his way and they would hear a little bit about each other but um they didn't stay in contact at that time it wasn't until I believe it was in 78 the end of 78 first 79 that um Willie Nelson, which Freddie had been friends with Willie since the fifties, yeah. um had um invited Freddie over to hang out with him. And Merle Haggard showed up and when he walked in the room, the first thing Merle said to Freddie when Willie was introducing him is that he liked what Freddie had done on uh the Willie Nelson album, which Freddie had produced with Willie and Paul Buskert over the, the summer over the Rainbow album. And um, and they ended up picking all night and and I mean, seriously, picking all night and all the next day until they really realized it was time to go back to work. And they all went back to work. And then after they got off, they went right back to Willie's room 
started picking again. And next thing you know, Freddie and Merle was either Freddie was going up to Redding, California to pick and hang out with Merle or Merle was coming down to Reno and to do the same thing with Freddie until Merle finally had asked Freddie to, he said, why don't you move up to uh, Lake Shasta and buy a houseboat and live next door to me? And Freddie looked at him and he said, Merle, I don't make the kind of money that you make. And Merle said, money is not a problem, not the issue. So Merle went out and bought Freddie an $85,000 houseboat and had it set ne- parked right next to him. And the spree of 83 began. Yeah. And, and, and from that point, another thing that's important to know, when she talks about picking what, what, what is just a shorthand in country music and music we know, in case your audience members might not, picking means playing acoustic guitar together in a really intense manner of competition and fun where Freddie would, in fact, there's a really cool video we have up on the YouTube channel for the Spree of 83 book of an Austin City Limits that Freddie headlined and his guests included Merle and Willie. And it's pretty historic because you can sit there and watch Freddie. Then you can watch Merle. Then you can watch Willie. What about this? And these guys are going back and forth in these incredible noodling sessions, but they would play, they would, within these picking sessions, it also reflected the depth of their knowledge and Freddie's knowledge in particular of song. This guy was a walking songbook. And because he was a live performer for decades, he had to play audience sets of everything from country standards to Dixieland jazz standards, to his own originals, to vaudeville, to, to you name it. So one of the things that in the interviews I did with a lot of people for the book that Catherine set me up to talk to, if they would often talk about what a songbook Freddie was, that's also why when he became uh, more involved over the 80s with Merle's band, The Strangers, from a musical standpoint, because Merle found him such a unique guitar player. Um, there's a lot of influence that behind the scenes and filtering into the music goes on there as well in terms of just the subtle nudges Freddie could give um, when he was playing guitar. He had these Freddie Powers chords that are now standard in Texas uh, history, of guitar history. Tex- Freddie Powers has his own chords. In fact, Frank Lydell, Miranda Lambert's uh, producer in his interview for the book went on and on about them. So it illustrates just that when they were picking, they were playing, but it wasn't like they were just playing GCD. These guys were playing like inverted. Freddie knew so many chords that no one else knew. Rattlesnake Annie talks elaborately in the book, um, another Texas legend, about learning the Freddie chords. And we actually deconstruct them for fans through his band members and through a lot of players. So you can really, for the first time, get an inside look at how many musical genres and how many songbooks this guy knew. So that also made a huge influence on how he could go anywhere Merle wanted to on the page. If Merle wanted to write about, you know, I mean, Catherine could tell you, these guys have an incredibly prolific catalog they wrote together. How many songs is it Catherine wrote versus recorded? It's a lot. Like 200 well, songs, right? They wrote together. Yeah, yeah they wrote God, pro- hundreds of songs together, but 41 of them made actual album cuts with um, six of them being number ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was just with Merle. That was just with Merle. Ray Charles recorded a uh, little hotel room. Um, George Jones, as Catherine points out, had his last number one with with a song of Freddie's. Uh, Merle Haggard had a new generation of number ones. And that's not taking anything away because Merle co-wrote all of them except for Natural High. But there was a there was a new life that Freddie's music breathed into a lot of it's similar to White Willie. And I joke about this, too. Like we talk about Freddie and Willie. Willie could have hung out with anybody, you know, Freddie in the 90s and 2000s. Their friendship was a 50-year friendship. They lived on the same golf course. Willie would come hang out with Freddie a lot and and just pick and play and whatnot. But uh, Willie could ask anyone to produce that Over the Rainbow record, which went on to win a Grammy and really kind of 
I mean, these are not insignificant second B-side songs. These are A-list songs that these artists trusted Freddie enough with his creative talents to really make him an integral part of that process. And and like I say, it, it, it's something that these songs have stood the test of time, too. They're still recorded and more importantly performed today. They're not only performed by stars, but they're performed across Texas and other uh, areas like in, within country music territory by up and coming artists because the audience wants to hear them. And because they're so complicated to play in good ways that you become better musicians by covering them. So Freddie's ability to reverberate his influence was also really something we want to make sure is noted in this book because it was profound. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, as you mentioned earlier, in, in addition to obviously his musical legacy, Freddie was diagnosed with Parkinson's. How did he deal with that diagnosis and illness and, and maintain as a performer? Bravely. <laughs> Very bravely and a lot of positivity. Um, when he was first diagnosed with Parkinson's, it was something that neither one of us knew anything about. And of course, thank you for the internet that I was able to learn a lot more about it. And, um, and at first it really didn't seem to be an issue for him, but when he started losing his ability to play guitar, now there is when things kind of changed. He had fallen into a little depression and, um, I basically had to give him an ultimatum, either get up and live with me or I was out of there. And, um, but he, it, it was, and it was an evening with Merle Haggard that um, was, we had gone to, up to Merle's for Thanksgiving, and it was an Agatha Christie party. And after dinner and everything, um, they were sitting around playing the guitars, and, and um, Freddie was trying his best, and he was struggling to keep up. And he had just turned, you know, he was emotional and he turned to Merle and said, Merle, I, I just can't play anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. And Merle spoke up and said, Freddie, you can still sing and you can still tell your jokes. And that turned everything around for Freddie right then. And after that, we stayed on the road. We kept him busy. He continued to perform from up until he lost his ability to even speak. But he stayed positive and he worked as hard as he could just to, to enjoy living. It wasn't just quantity. He had a great quality. Yeah. And, and Catherine will not give herself credit for it. So I'll go ahead. Uh, but basically, <laughs> Catherine, behind the scenes, there was an incredible machinery that helped propel Freddie's will to live to the fullest because this guy, right at the advent of the internet, social media's very first generation, Catherine was able to just really create a whole new <clears throat> awareness, not only of his Parkinson's, but that, hey, I'm going to be in, you know, he got inducted, started getting inducted in all these halls of fame. Well, they would make sure he got there. And whether it was Willie uh, Nelson helping to sort of pay off bills that she accrued as far as the Parkinson's, you know, the, the cost of the disease or gas cards that, you know, Big and Rich sent them or other things she can talk about. There was a behind the scenes network of stars that helped keep Freddie on the road and on stage performing because there were always audiences that wanted to come see him. 
And this includes going to France twice in 2008 and 10 for the Echo Blues Festival with full band and and everything and getting standing ovations and includes doing Willie Nelson's 4th of July picnic in front of 10,000 people, uh, big and rich. So he, he had this mechanism behind the scenes that ma- it, it would have made, it made Freddie proud because he was the guy back in the earlier days doing that for other people. You know what I mean? If Merle didn't want to mm-hmm. go on stage and play a show, Freddie was the designated guy they picked to go on the bus and talk him into it. If it was, uh, and Catherine, what did they used to, what did you say he used to do to get him up? <laughs> There would be times when Merle would be saying, you know, he was tired and he just didn't want to go out and do the show. And um, Freddie would walk in the bus and he would rattle off Merle's prison number and tell him <laughs> to hit the floor. And Merle would jump up and 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 they'd go out and do the show. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, the Silver Eagle song captures their life on the road. And Freddie writes it from the perspective, quite brilliantly, I'd add, of he Freddie writes it from the perspective of of watching Merle being a star trapped quite literally at times within that that stardom. He couldn't get off the bus because a thousand people would ensconce him and he couldn't even get a you know what I mean? Or couldn't go to the bathroom or whatever have you. Um and then the other thing that's really notable too in the, in that in that question you ask is when Freddie's Parkinson started, uh, and especially after Catherine got him back on his feet, she played this incredible behind the scenes role. As it, 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 I witnessed it personally for for years. It it ranged from medical, from changing his stomach too while she's on the phone with Giant Ridge talking about a big and rich show Freddie's going to come make an appearance at, or a great Hall of Fame that she's got to get him to that's in Texas and they're in Nashville, or a nurse that's got to come. He had a, they put a, a a hospital bed at the front of his tour bus. That's how literally on the road they kept him. And you would see Freddie too be visited wherever he went by all these different people, whether they were famous country stars or just fans. You would, you know, the community of people that also rallied through social media that she was able to say, okay, we're going to be in blah city and blank time. And, you know, you'd show up and there'd be people waiting on the bus. How can we help? Can we help Ken carry him off the bus, even to get him in and off of his wheelchair? So once people saw Freddie wanted to fight and that he then became really one of the more notable celebrities with Parkinson's over the last 20 years to stay visible and stay inspiring people. And, and she played just a huge role in from manager to, 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 to nurse, to tour bus driver, to booking agent. Catherine did a, a huge amount of behind the scenes work. Um, and then also very visibly by his side, that part of their love stories, they're known. It's not one of them is not mentioned without the other. Um, when Freddie had his picking parties, if, if people were talking, it's called the Coach Royal Rules. You'd be quiet when good songwriters are playing. Catherine would go around and it didn't matter if she was kicking the boot of George Strait or whether she was kicking the boot of an unknown uh, country singer who was just excited to be there. She really kept the line as far as the type of standards that Freddie would have himself had he been able to once the Parkinson's. Really just, they, they were an amazing team. It was really something to watch. Well, in addition to someone buying this memoir to learn more about Freddie, are there any other resources that you would recommend? Any Spotify playlist or yep, you mentioned we've a got YouTube sound, channel? Yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got, that's interrupt you. You can recut later on that question. So I'm not cutting you up, but we're excited. We have a, we have a, uh, one of the first of its kind book soundtracks, country music memoir book soundtrack. It's two CDs, 52 songs. We curated it, Catherine and I together, which is quite a privilege. Because we got to go back. She took care of more of the studio side and left the live to me with her input and pr- approval, of course. But we really wanted to show the diversity. Uh, so you get Freddie in the 50s when he was first doing his beast, his 12, you know, uh, what do they call those back then? 12 inch or six inch, the, the record size. The, the, 45s. The 45s. Yeah, you get 45s yeah. from the 50s 
you go into the 70s and you get we have two live albums uh, live in reno and live in vegas 75 and to make note of this freddie was one of the most celebrated and successful um reno and nevada touring acts of that decade and that's a hard everyone was trying to get those state spots freddie had a house spot at the el dorado he was the ambassador of goodwill he had a penthouse suite at the top of the place he drove a new caddy every year he won 1978 act of the year so it just shows you and that's just one area of his career but you can hear that music while you read along uh there's also a, within the soundtrack we've got excerpts from the songwriting show a uh, rogers and hammerhead uh where you get to hear legends like floyd tillman and um, that Freddie really, really championed. Uh, you get to hear him live in his own sets from those vaudeville and those those lounge acts where you hear his comedy. You hear his Dixieland jazz playing. The level of musicianship will blow you away. You hear him when he had Parkinson's. Um, you hear him singing with Merle Haggard. You hear Willie Nelson on there. You hear everyone that you might have known to come and love him through is involved in this. Uh, Willie talked to us on Christmas Day for the book. Merle gave us three hours right before a country hall of fame, music hall of fame thing he was doing up. Uh, and, and you could just see all these different people really get emotionally affected to the point of tears because they love this man so much and they wanted to help keep his story move forward. So all of those, and we have a YouTube channel uh, that's got a huge archive of videos on it. Um, the Freddie Power, what is it? FreddiePowers.net? Yes. FreddiePowers.net's got a, a huge archive there. And if you order the book through the website, Catherine will personally sign it for you, uh, your Christmas present or a birthday or just for a fan you might know of Freddie's. Uh, we'll, 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 the books can be signed personally. We just were trying to, Freddie really, and there's a movie coming up next um, that we've already got a screenplay done for and, and had financing partly before COVID destroyed that. We had actors we kind of talked to about leads. I mean, this guy had such a colorful cinematic life that uh, we really want to make sure it gets fully appreciated by as many people as, as can, because he's a hugely important figure in country music. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Catherine Powers and Jake Brown, co-authors of the memoir, The Spree of 83, The Life and Times of Freddie Powers. The memoir is on sale now, so go buy a copy, as they just mentioned. And Catherine and Jake, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, thank you so much for having thank us. We appreciate you. it. Thank you. Great. Thanks a lot. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.